الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد ولله ملك السماوات والأرض صدق الله العظيم So my dear brothers and sisters and our dear friends out there inshallah we continue Today with our series on Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari's Hikam and its commentary by Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi. And today we move on to Hikam number 245, which is 200 and page 209 of our uh, commentary edition. So page 209, and that's 245 wisdom. Ibn Ata'illah says, جَعَلَكَ فِي الْعَالَمِ الْمُتَوَسِّطِ بَيْنَ مُلْكِهِ وَمَلَكُوتِهِ لِيُعَلِّمَكَ جَلَالَةَ قَدْرِهِ بَيْنَ مَخْلُوقَاتِهِ وَأَنَّكَ جَوْهَرَةٌ تَنْتَوِي عَلَيْكَ أَصْدَافُ مُقَوَّنَاتِهِ جَعَلَكَ فِي الْعَالَمِ الْمُتَوَسِّطِ بَيْنَ مُلْكِهِ وَمَلَكُوتِهِ لِيُعَلِّمَكَ جَلَالَةَ قَدْرِكَ بَيْنَ مَخْلُوقَاتِهِ وَأَنَّكَ جَوْهَرَةٌ تَنْطَوِي عَلَيْكَ أَصْدَافُ مُكَوَّنَاتِهِ He's talking about the reality of the human being, trying to give the human being an understanding of what their essence is made of or how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designated them so that we can get some value for ourselves and we can try to understand the pitfalls in life and what would be going in the wrong direction and what would be, inshallah, the right direction. So the translation of that is, he put you in the intermediary world. He placed the human being in the intermediary world, in between his kingdom and his realm. That means between the mulk and the malakut. This concept of malakut as-samawati wal-ard, mulk as-samawati, they used in the Quran as well. And there's several concepts like this which are generally used by spiritual scholars to talk about various different spiritual and corporeal realities. What that basically means simply is that everything that you can see around us, everything which is perceptible, that you can see, you can feel, you can touch, you can smell, basically the world around us, including ourselves, our physical selves, our flesh and blood, and everything that we can touch and we can see, that is all part of the mulk of Allah. That is all part of the mulk of Allah, which means that is all part of Allah's physical creation realm. So everything that we can see, that is all referred to as mulk. So everything that tells us that Allah exists, that shows us that there is life around us, all of this is the mulk of Allah. Then, of course, we understand that there is the invisible realm, things that we cannot see. Like the angels, for example. As a Muslim, our belief is, is in the angels. That is called the spiritual realm. And many have said that this is what is referred to as the malakut. So it's kind of mulk. The wording malakut comes from the same root letters from mulk. But it's kind of a more intense, profound idea of it. So it's the world that you cannot see, but you know it exists. So the malakut is the spiritual realm. Now there are other ways that the ulama have explained this and used it also, right? Uh, one is what it means in the Quran and then after that what, how various different spiritual scholars have 
divided the world into the Mulk and the Malakut, and then some add the Jabarut as well. But we're not going to get confused by that right now because what we're speaking about is a very simple idea here. What he is referring to is the human being is between the created world of physical flesh and blood and everything that they see around them, but they also have an aspect that is not seen, that is a spiritual aspect like that of the angels. That's the Malakut aspect. That is, you can, you can say, the spiritual realm, the spiritual dimension, whereas the mulk is the physical dimension. So hopefully you've understood these two ideas. And so he says that he put you, i.e. the human being, in this intermediate halfway world, in-between world, between his kingdom, that is how he translates mulk, his physical kingdom, and his realm, which is the spiritual realm, to teach you the majesty of your rank. Why did he place you there? So that you will understand that I'm not purely physical, physical beings, animate or inanimate, and I'm not fully spiritual. I mean between the two. To teach you the majesty of your rank among his created beings, and that you are a jewel wherein the pearls of his creation are hidden. I would translate it slightly different from Victor Dana's translation. So, Joharatun, he says, Joharatun is a, a pearl, a jewel or a pearl. Pearls come in oysters. And in Arabic, the word sadaf or asdaf, asdaf, which is the plural of sadaf, is actually oysters. So, I think what he's saying here, and according to the commentary as well, is that you are a pearl <clears throat> that all of these things surrounding you are like the oyster. So you basically are in the midst of an oyster. All of these things that you see outside of you are like the oyster and you are the pearl. So when you find oysters, your main objective of an oyster, the most valuable part of an oyster is actually the pearl inside. So this is to show that Allah placed you between these two worlds to show you that all of this is at your disposal. That is all your oyster, and for you, you are the pearl. That's one way of understanding it. The, way, the other way to understand it is as he says, which is he crea the created beings that you are a jewel wherein the pearls of his creation are hidden. Because that's also true, that the pearls of Allah's creation are hidden inside you. It's just that linguistically speaking, that is a bit more different to fit onto the Arabic, but Allah knows best. So what does all of this mean? Simply what it means, in simple terms, before I explain it in detail, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not made us fully just flesh and blood, as all other animals, as, or just an inanimate solid object made of some kind of substance and material, various different atoms, as He's made what you see around you. Likewise, Allah hasn't made you an angel, right? Angels are very spiritual uh, creations made of light, and they cannot sin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed us in a realm between the two. He made us superior to human beings and He made us close to angels. So we can gain that kind of purity. And the whole idea is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give you a special position. Allah has given you a special position. And when a human being begins to understand the value of that, that's when they really understand the value of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the purpose for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them. So... Allah, most high, most mighty, most majestic, most majestic, has created this human being, this insan, 
and he has essentially made him, you can say, the essence of the entire universe, microcosm of the entire universe. What that means is there's no other creature in the world, there is no other creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has combined so many different things. It's the human being who has combined so many different things in there. That's why, as he said, you have the mulk in you and you have the malakut in you. You have the physical aspects within us and you also have the spiritual aspects within you from both words. You have light within you and you have darkness within you. And that means some people are dark in terms of their behavior, in terms of their thoughts, in terms of their heart. Dark. As the Prophet ﷺ said, that every time you do a sin, then there's a black dot that appears in the heart. So there's darkness in there. There's also the light in there from the nur of Allah. The light of Allah, the dhikr of Allah will provide light. You'll start feeling better. You'll start thinking better. You'll start being more positive, less negative. You'll start feeling closer to Allah. The light will take you actually closer to the malakut realm, the spiritual realm. Whereas if we focus on the darkness, then we will remain, remain in the darknesses of the mulk. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed within us the ghayb and the shahada. There are the unseen aspects that we can sometimes relate to, that we can't sometimes even understand why we think certain things at certain times, where these thoughts come from and so on. Likewise, we have many things which are predictable and observable, observable through us. Likewise, he has placed within us many examples and samples and a microcosm, like a small representation of the world outside us. When you look outside, there's a tree. Now we have growth on our bodies. We have hair that grows, right? Like the grass, the trees, the fertility of the outside. Likewise, there are rivers within us. There is blood coursing through our veins. There are, these are the various different streams and other things of this world. So likewise, whatever you see outside, there's a small miniature representation of that contained within the human being. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us power and energy and ability and he's also put into us wisdom understanding sagacity likewise allah has given us perception but he's also given us substance that you cannot perceive perceptible substance and non-observable substance so the human being O human being understand that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you like an intermediate, a hybrid world of these, of these kind of realms. Whereas outside, they're only one or the other. You human being are unique and you are a combination, a hybrid, a confluence of both of these things. That's one way to understand it. Another way to understand this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us not in terms of the micro, and that's agreed that we have both aspects within us, but he's also placed us in between this world of just forms, so we're a form. But we're not just a pure form, we have substance within us, which is that we have the unseen aspects within us that make us the human beings that we are. We're not just inanimate or animate forms that don't have an internal feeling and sense and things like that. So we have the spiritual world within us as well, and likewise we have the form. So you're not just a perceptible form, you're not just an outer shell, right? So then you become like 
these hard surfaces and hard objects or that you become like the animals who just perform a certain function and likewise neither are you entirely angelic that you are just like the angels but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you a combination between the two so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can manifest his great abilities and excellences within you. Allah has chosen the human being to demonstrate all of these things, to provide that amazing creation ability, uh, the manifestation of it. That's why out of all the creatures of the world, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah, that we are going to make a khalifa, a representative, our representative on the earth, and we want them to act the way we want them to do. They will be our best representative. They can surpass many ideas. Right? That we're going to fill ardi khalifa. We're going to place a vicegerent on this earth. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the human being. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the human beings to take the responsibility. As Allah mentions, وَحَمَلَهَا insan. The heavens, and, the heavens and the earth, they refused to take the responsibility. They didn't. The human beings took it. The humans took it. Thereafter that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showered His huge bounties upon you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant you paradise and will give you the ability to see Him and benefit from the beatific vision in the hereafter. So, essentially, human beings then, in terms of whether they're fulfilling this aspect of theirs or they've forgotten it and they're not focusing on it, there are two aspects. And we're just talking about believers right now. The believers are in two sections with the, in this regard. So you've got the one section of believers on whom their humanness, meaning their animal nature, has dominated their angelic and spiritual state. So they're more just animal than they are angelic and spiritual. So their mulk has dominated their malakut. And their darkness is dominating over their light. So that means they're going to just remain in the darknesses, the inanimate nature, the stillness. The, they're going to remain within the redundancy of the objects of this world. Like this piece of wood that this is made of, the paper that this is written on. The, these are used for other purposes. They don't have any purpose of their own. They don't have facility of their own, faculty of their own to subjugate anything else, to make, take things under their control, to take things from other things. They're there to serve purpose for others. And likewise with human beings, if, you, if we become like that, that's basically that we're just serving a purpose for something else, for the shaitan or for others. So that means when the darkness overcomes the light and so on. So in that case, we will actually remain within the darknesses and the redundancies of the other objects of this world. And then, because of that, because there's no angelic side that we're trying to increase, we're going to be prevented from actually having any spiritual experience. That's why if they do pray sometimes, there's no benefits. That's why when they do remember Allah sometimes, it, makes no, it doesn't make much of a difference. They can't feel the pleasure sometimes. Not that we should do dhikr to feel the pleasure. But at least feel the iman in our hearts, that we're doing it for iman. All of this become unraveled, they just don't feel like doing anything. This is, of course, in this you're going to have various different levels. 
There's going to be people who are on the lower end of this, who like feel absolutely nothing. The, the darkness have dominated them nearly completely, except that they're not kafir. And then there's those others who do better. But most of the time, the darkness overwhelms. They still have demons in their heart. They're still represented in their heart by, by, uh, by various different creatures. For example, while they're not dogs or pigs or cows or camels or, or donkeys, their state of their heart represents that. And that's why there are certain traditions which tell us that in the hereafter, that is how certain people will be appearing on the Day of Judgment as cats or dogs or something, depending on the thoughts of the heart. Remember, the heart is our most important aspect. Thereafter, there are those who've kind of gone beyond that. And these are the people whose spirituality is dominant over their so-called flesh and their corporeal nature. So while they're still body and flesh, exactly like somebody else, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They're still perfect human beings as normal people observe it. But they have a very strong angelic side. Their hearts are purer. Their light has dominated the darkness. The darkness is very less, very less if, if any. The light has dominated. So all of these things have dominated. Their malakut aspect, right, which Allah created them between, has dominated their mulk aspect. Their, their spiritual state has actually overcome their physical state. But that, that doesn't mean that they, they're not physical anymore. Remember that. These are going to be the elect ones. These are going to be the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only way to get this is to read more about Allah and get to know Him more and do some dhikr and, do a rem and engage oneself in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the people, they're only going to get this by making a special effort to subdue their nafs, to subdue the desires of their heart because all of the desires, the vain desires, the egotistic desires, the material desires, the desires of the lowly self, they all take you more onto the, the worldly, the purely worldly physical state, the animalistic state. And the more we resist that and the more we remember Allah and do good things for others, think well, think positively, and try to be good, all of that takes us to the more spiritual realm. So among these people as well, there's going to be various different ranks. So among these people, you're going to have obviously those who are, you can say, the, the champions, right, who have become very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are those who are catching up they're still beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And each one of them is going to be there based on his sincerity. Everybody's there according to his sincerity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the love that they have for him, it's all based on that. So that ultimately to gain a love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you're just constantly obsessed with thinking about Allah and wanting to do something for him. That is the only way to do this. So the way... Ibn Atta'illah has explained this. He makes it seem the way he's explained it because he said that he placed you in an intermediary world between his kingdom and his realm. This is a bit of a linguistic and technical definition. Basically, the way he said it is that Allah placed us as an as a in-between of this world and that world, which means that we're neither from this world or nor are we from that world. So we're like a third entity. 
that's one entity. All the physical realm is one entity. The spiritual realm is another entity. And we are actually a third independent realm between the two, made up of both of them, or maybe not made up of both of them, but definitely in between the two. So that's what the authors, that, that's what this wisdom seems to indicate. So according to Ibn Ajiba, Ahmad Ibn Muhammad Al-Ajiba, Ibn Ajiba Al-Hassani, uh, in his commentary he says that while that's what the Shaykh seems to say, what's the reality really is that we're not an independent world of that and this. We're actually part of both worlds. So there are only two worlds in that sense, and we're actually a combination of those two worlds. right? At the end of the day, that's just to kind of give an accurate understanding, and he basically says that, um, that is our general understanding because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we get the idea of that. Or rather, let's say that we're made up of both of them. Uh, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said regarding himself in a hadith, says, Kuntu nabiyan wa adamu bayna al-ma'i wa That I was a prophet when Adam salam was still between water and soil or dirt. Right? So it's a hybrid of the two. That's what we are at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, the spiritual scholars, they have a lot of elusive texts, a lot of indications, a lot of symbolism. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best what else Ibn Atayla has meant by this. But the reality is that we are not a third world, entirely speaking like that. We're not a third creation. We are actually a creation between these two major aspects of the dunya. So... All of that now, what's the purpose of this? So as Ibn Ata'illah says, لِيُعَلِّمَكَ To teach you about your very high position between all the other creation of Allah. There's no other creation, as I said, that's made up of both of these. That has so many different aspects of both of these realms fit into them and brought into them. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ وَحَمَلْنَاهُمْ فِي الْبَحْرِ And so on. We have ennobled, we have honored the children of Adam salam. We've honored the children of Adam salam in this way. Another one is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in وَالتِّينِ وَالزَّيْتُونَ سُورَةُ الْتِّينِ لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ We created the human being in the best of forms, best of statures, in the best of ways and descriptions. And this is exactly what it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us both of these things. So what does Allah want to teach us from this? If we can just understand this, that what Allah wants to teach us, Allah wants to teach us that أَنَّكَ جَوْهَرَةٌ نَفِيسَةٌ right? That you are a very valuable pearl and you are within a very valuable oyster. right? And now you're going to understand this from a saying in English that I'll explain to you. So the entire created world of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your oyster. From the arsh to the land to the earth that we stand on, all of this is basically for you to benefit from, to use, utilize, and to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using. They are a bounty for you, they are a tool for you, they're an instrument for you, and they're the way that you can actually ascend to great heights. Now it gives a whole totally different idea of all of the things around us at our disposal. So for example, he says, human being, 
you are like a, you can say like a ruby, if we take a specific, you are like a ruby in its oyster. Right? Because look, the earth, the ground below us, it carries us. Right? It's made for us to carry us. The heavens, it shields us. It provides a shelter for us. The various different directions, the east, the west, the south, the north, that is what surrounds us and keeps us from going beyond. Keeps us from falling off, keeps us from going, going beyond. Basically, it's extensive. But at the end of the day, there's a limitation to it. Thereafter that, there's other things on this earth like the animals, the beasts. They're there to either serve you or they're there as a bounty for you so that you can consume them as food and your sustenance. Thereafter that, you have other solid objects which are there to protect you, to defend you, to contain you, to give you warmth, to protect you from the harshness of the sun, right? The rays, the glaring rays of the sun or the harshness of the cold as in the buildings that you live in. So all of this thing is to serve you. There's no other animal that is served in these ways by everything around us. The very animals we're speaking about, they serve human beings. They're there for our benefit. So you are, O oh human being, in between all of this. You're in the middle of all of this. Then you have all of these stars and celestial, the celestial realm, all of these planets and other things which surround you, which are going around you. They adorn the skies that you look up at. Thereafter, there is the sun and the moon, which provides you with the light, right? Which illuminates this very world that you live in. That's their source of light for you. So you are the pearl in that oyster. You are the pearl in all of these oysters. You are the essence of this entire universe. You are the most important. Everything revolves around you. So now you get a good meaning, another meaning of the world is your oyster. Right? That's an English saying. And it basically means that the world is your oyster, which means that it's all of value to you. You've, the idea of it is either uh, in terms of wealth or in terms of influence or whatever the case is. And it means that you can basically do anything. Right? You can do anything. And apparently this, this phrase was actually first coined apparently by William Shakespeare, right, in, in, the, in the Merry Wives of Windsor, right? So this, uh, one of the characters, Falstaff says, I will not lend thee a penny. So then Pistol, he, refer, he replies, why then the world's mine oyster, which I with sword will open. So that's obviously old English, but the world is your oyster. This is a whole new meaning given to that. The world is your oyster in reality because Allah has created it as such. You can go and you are the valuable one in there. Everything is at your disposal. Everything is subsidiary. Everything is supplementary for you and auxiliary. That's why Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi rahimahullah, he says, al-akwanu kulluha abidun musakhara. All beings, all created beings are just subjugated slaves and servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنْتَ عَبْدُ hadra You're also a servant. But you're a servant who can actually get into the presence of Allah, who has an audience with Allah, who has value in the sight of Allah in a different way. You can actually achieve everything else, has a certain value with Allah, and that's it, remains the same. But you have infinite value that you can get closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why... 
uh, it's mentioned in certain books that, O oh, son of Adam, I've, it's, it's as if Allah is speaking, it's as if Allah is telling us through everything He's created around us that, O oh, my servants, O oh, Adam, O oh, oh, children of Adam, I've created everything for you. Because you, I mean, we've gotten to the moon, we've gotten to Mars, we've gotten to other planets. It's a possibility in, a, in you know, maybe, maybe soon. All of this thing is for you. I've created all of this for you. And then I've also created, but I've created you for me. So we are for Allah. He wants to see us doing good deeds. So, فَلَا تَشْتَغِلْ بِمَا هُوَ لَكَ عَمَّنْ أَنْتَ لَهُ Don't get too occupied with what we've created for you from whom you've been created for. So the world has been created for you, but you've been created for Allah. So you focus on who you've been created for by using what's been created for you, but don't make what you've been created for as your main objective. That's why it's uh, obviously mentioned regarding one of the wonders of the human being, is that the entire universe and everything that is in existence is actually found rolled up within the human being. So we are essentially, you can say, a specimen of the entire universe. If you look around, we're a specimen of the entire universe. And that's a very profound understanding. That's why Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi also says, يَا تَائِهًا فِي مَهْمَةٍ عَنْ سِرِّهِ أُنْظُرْ تَجِدْ فِيكَ الْوُجُودَ بِأَسْرِهِ أَنْتَ الْكَمَالُ طَرِيقَةً وَحَقِيقَةً يَا جَامِعًا سِرَّ الْإِلَاهِ بِأَسْرِهِ They're saying that, why are you wandering around? A one who's just wandering around, bewildered, right? Who doesn't have any idea about the secret of why he's been created. If you look carefully and deeply as to who you are, you will actually find inside you everything that, everything, a specimen of everything around you. You are basically in reality the most perfect being there is of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are the most perfect in reality. So he says, oh one who combines between <clears throat> all the secrets of Allah, the entire secrets of Allah, Allah has placed them all in you. So <clears throat> in turn the human being is essentially a specimen of the entire universe or you can say the small cosm, the small uh, the small. Uh, universe you can say within them and you will remain small and part of the small you will remain part of the normal creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until your spiritual state does not overcome your human your flesh and blood and your animalistic state and your real substance does not overcome your general just physical body and your light doesn't overcome your light now if your spiritual state does overcome your normal human animalistic state and the light over that, then that is when you would have dominated the world. That is when you have essentially subjugated everything around you the way it should be, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you want to be. And that's why we hear in the stories of the awliya how exactly they treated the world as nothing. It didn't make a difference to them what they had and what did they not had as long as they had Allah because they were above. They were above the whole idea. In that case then you will actually become the greater cosmic state even though physically everything else is bigger than you but in reality you will become the great universe within yourself. 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put a specimen in you for. And the rest of it will now become a specimen of you. You will become the main aspect to dominate everything and everything else will be subjugated for you and become your, spe your specimen. That's why Ibn, Ibn al-Farid says, that even though in form I look like a normal human being, but I, we have substance, I have substance in me that bears witness to, to my forefathers and to my, my, the, the real purpose of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi explains the wisdom in this way. He says, O mankind, Allah Most High has created you of two entities, physical and spiritual. So you're not a totally physical being, but nor are you a totally spiritual being like the angels. You are a creation in a state between these two entities. Your intermediate status between the physical and the spiritual is evident. That's basically the concept of mulk and malakut. Allah Most High has created man between the heaven and the earth. All things on earth have been created for man's use and benefit. And all things have been made subservient to man. If man were only a physical creation, he would have been like all other physical and worldly creatures. He would then not have enjoyed superiority over them. Thus it is clear that the essential substance of his constitution is something other than his physical matter. So we're not just our physical matter. We're not just what we can feel and touch and see of another person. By virtue of his special spiritual essence, man enjoys superiority over all other creations. Otherwise, other animals eat like we do. They procreate like we do. They drink like we do. They sleep like we do. So what makes us different? Why are they made subservient to us? It's because of the angelic, the ruhani, the spiritual side of things. That special substance is his relationship with the spiritual realm. That's what allows us, that spirituality is what allows us to be connected to Allah in that way. Allah Most High has created man also a microcosm. He is an embodiment of all existing creation, consisting of lofty and lowly attributes and of physical and spiritual substances. So humans have blameworthy attributes, they have praiseworthy attributes. We have to try to subdue the blameworthy ones. We, we could be challenged by them. And we need to augment and enhance the, the lofty ones. He is thus physical and spiritual at the same time. He is earthly as well as heavenly. On the one hand, he possesses the angelic qualities of intelligence, gnosis and worship. Like the heavens, he is a substance for mysteries and a celestial light. His heart is the abode of divine unveiling. He can, he, he can receive divine light, basically. On the other hand, he has the capability of misleading others and also being misled himself. He also has the attribute of rebellion and transgression if he wants to. If he allows shaitan and the nafs to overcome, then he will become rebellious and transgressing. These are the animal and satanic attributes within him. In a state of anger, he becomes like a lion. When lust dominates him, he is like a pig. And in the state of greed and adversity, he is like a dog. When he deceives, then he is a fox. 
So his growth and development are like, are like that of the trees. So where we start with a small seed in the mother's womb. It's different, but it's the same thing. You, we grow just like a tree grows. Like the ground, he is both hard and soft, both in our temperament and both in terms of our physique. In short, man incorporates within him samples of every creation. It is for this reason that he is described as a microcosm or the little world and as the perfect substratum and as the perfect substratum of the manifestation of the entire creation. Entire creation can be understood from the human being. <clears throat> the aim underlying man's all-embracing constitution is for him to realize why do we have why are we such a complete creation like this combining all of these things is that Allah wants us to realize the significance that he's given us and made us with and how we're superior to all other creation which means that we do not become like other creatures we do not fall to that low he will realize from his very cons constitution that he is a priceless pearl that embraces all aspects of the creation. When he has recognized this reality, he will not destroy himself by involvement in disobedience to his master and creator, and he will maintain himself on the lofty and magnificent plane on which Allah Most High has created him. And the sole method for this is to have perpetual obedience to Allah, the creator, and abstention from all forms of transgression and sin. So we ask Allah to make that easy for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us understand our value. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to transcend between, beyond this darkness and the animalistic nature of this world. The one side that we're made from. And allow us to go beyond onto the other side and let that side dominate of the spiritual world and the angelic world. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Give us death in a state where our goodness dominates our evil. And we need to be worried about this, especially once we get beyond the age of 40. Because then it becomes more difficult to shift because people become more settled in their ways. That's a time, not to say that if you're younger than that, you don't try. You have to. Otherwise, it gets very difficult to change the older you get. So the sooner we make a difference, the better we'll be in the long run because we set us ourselves on the honorable path of the spiritual path. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remember him abundantly. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow, allow us to dominate our darkness. وَآخِرُ الدَّعْوَانَا أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين ويا معدن الجود والكرم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اغفر لنا وارحمنا اغفر لنا وارحمنا Allah accept our good deeds oh Allah forgive us our sins oh Allah do not let that be an obstacle to our gaining closeness to you oh Allah grant us your light oh Allah grant us value of ourselves oh Allah forgive us and protect us oh Allah purify us oh Allah cleanse us oh Allah all of this pollution of our sin O oh Allah, all of this dirt of our evil thoughts, our evil behavior, the thoughts that we harbor, 
Oh Allah, we ask that you remove this from us so that we can start thinking more positively of you. Oh Allah, what prevents us from loving you and getting closer to you, though we know you're our Lord. We know that you are our God. It's only you that we can worship and that we do worship when we do worship you. Oh Allah, but there are things in our life that divert our attention from you, that distract us from your thoughts, that distract us and that make us attracted to many other things. Oh Allah, allow us to dominate ourselves spiritually. Oh Allah, we are between both of them. Today we have understood the value that we have and the place that we have in this world and among your creation. We are extremely honored that you have chosen us to be part of this creation. Oh Allah, you could have made us from any creation. We could have been this desk that we're using. We could have been the wall that is encompassing us. We could have been part of the roof that is sheltering us today. But oh Allah, you chose to make us a being with choice, volition, with spirit. Oh Allah, allow us to now fully recognize that and to acknowledge that and to believe in that and to enhance that. Oh Allah, make us of those who are close to you. Oh Allah, for all of our life, we've wasted our time in indulging in that which was created for us to use. And oh Allah, we've forgotten who, uh, we've forgotten the being that we were created for. Oh Allah, oh Allah, forgive us this excess. Forgive us this shortcoming. Forgive, forgive us this crime. Oh Allah, forgive us this crime. Oh Allah, allow us now to fulfill the purpose for which you've created us. To really recognize the reason why you have created us. And recognize the position that you've created us in. And give us the value of ourselves in our eyes in the right way. So that this entire world can be used by us to worship you. And to do things for you, to serve for you. Oh Allah, make us all of those who can serve you and your faith. Oh Allah, we don't know, many of us don't know how we can serve you. But oh Allah, allow us to serve you, grant us sincerity, so make everything for you. Make us of those who will remember you abundantly, who will thank you abundantly. Oh Allah, and especially for, forgive us for all the wrongs that we have done and protect us from the mischief of shaitan for the rest of our lives, especially on our deathbed. Oh Allah, do not let him confuse us on our deathbed. Do not let him mislead us and cause us deviation. And O oh Allah, all the wrongs that we have done, do not allow us, allow that to let us slip on the day of judgment and prevent entry into the shade and then ultimately into your satisfaction, your happiness, into paradise. O oh Allah, to be, uh, allow us to be among the company of the righteous on the day of judgment, the prophets, the martyrs. And O oh Allah, allow us to do the right things in this world and be the keys of goodness. And O oh Allah, protect us from evil thoughts, evil perspectives, wrong ideas, from holding on to falsehood. Oh Allah, from disputing in matters that we have no that have no concern with us. Oh Allah, help us and assist us to better this world for all human beings. Oh Allah, and to allow us to understand the true reality of why we're here and to fulfill the ultimate purpose. Oh Allah, send your blessings upon the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and bless all of those who've allowed this deen to come to us today. All of our teachers and their grand teachers all the way up to the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what an honor it would be if you allow us to be among those who pass on some of this good knowledge to those who will come after us, those who are after us and make us, uh, make us a means to that conveyance of, of your 
beautiful words. Oh Allah, accept us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.